0: You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited this morning for our journey through the Gospel of John. We're taking a chapter a week, and we've shared that over the past you know several months now. And today we're in John chapter 15. I hope that you pre-read and are ready to go. I want to remind us, we haven't said this in a while, of why the, uh, the gospel of John was written. Uh, the disciple John wrote in John 20 verse 31, he tells us straight up, he says, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The reason this book is in the Bible is so that we would know who Jesus is. And that's very clear and we're going to see that again today in verse 1 who Jesus is. But before we get there, I want to just remind us where we are in this gospel story. At the end of John chapter 14. There's an interesting little phrase that we didn't actually even talk about last week or two weeks ago. It says, come now, let us leave. And where were they? Where were these disciples? There's only 11 of them together with Jesus, of course. Uh, So 12 of them, it's a small group. All the crowds are gone. They were, if you remember, in the upper room. It was the Last Supper discourse. And the discourse now continues on their journey to where Jesus would pray and ask God to meet him and the disciples would fall asleep and we'll get there in all those things. But we are now on the move and we see kind of this object lesson in John chapter 15 kind of come to life. But I want to remind you that for the disciples at this moment, there's two emotions that had to have been evident. One was confusion In the fact that Jesus had said he's leaving and he's hours away from being on the cross. But then also he's bringing a word of comfort that he says, I will be close to you. I'm leaving and we're going to see today, I will be close to you. And by the way, you can be close to me, Jesus would say. And it's great. John 15 in particular explains to the disciples and to us, how they could be sustained through the most difficult times. And uh, with that, I'm just going to ask, we don't do this, uh, we haven't been doing this, but I'm going to ask that you would stand, and we're going to honor God's Word together. We're going to read the first 17 verses together, uh, and then we will pray. And uh, I love this. This is one of my favorite, it is the favorite chapter in John, but it's one of the favorite chapters in all the scriptures for me. And it goes something like this. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will e- bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, if you do what I command, I have no longer called you servants because servants do not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In verse 17, we'll close here. This is my command, love each other. Lord, what a chapter. What a few verses here that inspire us, that challenge us. And God, I pray that in these next few moments, that this word would come to life right here, right now. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I mentioned that this chapter is one of my favorites in all of scripture. Certainly the number one chapter, uh, these verses for me, in the book of John, it's so meaningful. There are so many deep treasures. And the words that we just read are so impactful. I want you to know this. Uh, For years, I've loved the idea. To me, when I've read this, the idea that kind of jumped out was this idea of remaining, or uh, some of your versions say, abiding in Jesus. And that was my plan all along for the last several weeks, to preach a message about abiding. But I ran across an outline by an old a preacher uh, and some of you know who it is, uh, Warren Wearsby, He was the pastor of Moody Church, and there was some new perspective and some new insight, kind of a fuller understanding of this passage, and my mind this week was just blown, and I said, man, I want to take this, and I want to make it my own, and we want to bring this, uh, and so uh, we're not going to talk about abiding directly, uh, but we will get there. But I was thinking, for, for over 2,000 years, this this passage has been a blessing to people. And it is, I pray that it will be a blessing to you this morning. According to Wiersbe, the, the key to this chapter or the key to this section is found in verse 11, where we see that the secret to living is joy. Everybody say joy. joy. And let's look at it. Verse 11. It says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This passage right here is all about joy. It anchors the passage. And, and Jesus is saying, look, I want you to know this. And it's a secret. We say it's a secret to living, right? And not a guarded secret. Uh, it's, it's kind of a secret in the sense that it's the road less traveled. That only a few will understand what we're going to share today and experience it. But my prayer is that every single one here would understand and understand true joy. See, joy is what will sustain you. It did for the disciples. And when I'm talking about joy, I'm not talking about cheerfulness or some sort of disposition or happiness. How many know that those things are circumstantial, right? Happiness comes and goes, but joy is a supernatural delight, and it comes straight from the Father. Joy continues independent of our circumstances. Joy is for God's people. If you have put your faith in Jesus, He has joy for you. No matter what storms, no matter what trials, no matter what trouble, if things are all around you seem like chaos, You can have great joy right in the middle of the storm. It's the truth. It's a secret to living. You say, well, how do I get joy? Anybody interested? Well, this passage kind of takes us on a journey. And I want to say this, that the, the secret to life is joy, but the secret to joy is bearing fruit. Let's look at it. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 4, remain in me also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I mentioned this a minute ago that this is a kind of an object lesson being kind of poured out for the disciples. They're on their way. My guess is they were passing a vineyard and Jesus sees this and says, "Hey, I am the vine. You are the branches. The Father is the gardener, right?" And he puts all these things together. And if you could just imagine a row of grapes, right? And he says, look, if there's no fruit on the vine, the Father comes and cuts that away. And then he says, if there is fruit, he even comes in and takes some of the good he prunes so that there will be even more fruit. And this is so important. And he's wanting his disciples to know that they are called to bear much fruit. And this is not just some sort of religious talk. If you are a believer, you must bear fruit. If you're not saved, if you're saved, you think you're saved, you say you're saved, but you're not bearing fruit, I would say that according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, we may have a problem. In fact, I want to look at that real quick. 7.21 in Matthew says this, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The idea is if you're a believer, you better bear some fruit. So how do you know if you're bearing fruit? I think it's a fair question. Well, the proof is in the pudding, right? <laughs> right? The proof is in the fruit. You say, well, what does the fruit look like? We talked about this. We collaborated about this as a staff. And it is not easy right off the cuff to think, okay, what kind of fruit, what should my life look like, Right? I went digging, and I've got a few verses I want to take you through. In fact, it's more than a few. And so flip with me, try to stay as close as you can. Uh, and I want to start with uh, uh, there's six of these that I found. There's probably more. but starting in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, look what it says here that we should be winning souls for Christ. Look at. It says, "I do not. This is Paul writing to the uh, Roman Church. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. Why? In order that I may have a harvest or that I may be fruitful among you. You saying, what is he talking about? Well, he clarifies it. He says, just as I have had among the Gentiles. What had Paul been doing? He had been reaching the Gentiles with the kingdom of God message. He had seen many, hundreds, thousands of people giving their hearts to Jesus. Paul was a soul winner. And I was thinking about it. And I started, I put it number one. Because there is no other fruit like winning someone to Jesus. Talk about joy, right? If you want joy, the secret uh, to joy is bearing fruit, and soul winning should be right at the top. Nothing is more joyful than that. But the sad truth is, I actually found a statistic. I don't know where this is backed up, if this is true or not. I hope it's not true for us, but 90% of believers will never lead someone to the Lord. Church, if you need some joy, start with a passion to reach one more, and it will revolutionize you. The second fruit that I saw in Scripture is in Romans 6, 22, just a few pages over, and this idea of personal holiness. There's a benefit of reaping uh, of this type of fruit. It says in verse 22, it says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap, or the fruit of, of that, leads to holiness and the result is eternal life, church. There's something about fruit in our lives that looks like personal holiness. It's the fruit of holiness, a purity, a godliness, a disdain for things that are ungodly. Right, and it's not that that you are perfect. It's a growth or a pattern of growth here. That after a while, we become more holy. And you can fake it for a while with your friends and maybe with your family, but you can't fake it with God. When you have given your heart to Jesus, there should be a fruit of holiness growing inside of each of us. The next verse I want to go to is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23. You knew I was going there, but it really speaks to godly character. Let's look at it, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such there is no law. If you're looking for fruit, you're saying, How, what would that look like in my life? We can point to Galatians chapter 5. It's godly character. These things, love, joy, peace, forbearance, right? Right? kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are, again, are things that should continually be increasing in our lives. And it's not that you don't struggle anymore, right, with these things, because how many of us still do, let's be honest, right? But what happens is that the space in between the struggles, I believe, it gets further and further. And so we're more Christ-like. There's more godly character. And if not, I would question, are you connected to the vine? The next verse I want to go to is Colossians chapter 1. And we got a few more of these. We're about halfway. Colossians 1 verse 10 says, So that you may live a worthy uh, uh, life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And then look what it says. It says, Bearing fruit in every good work. Good works is a fruit that comes from knowing God and being connected to the vine. Imagine if we all lived this verse out. What would that look like? If we were serving, if we were shouldering the kingdom of God, kingdom purposes together, if it's your desire to increase in your serving, that's fruitfulness. That's the fruit of God in your life. And it's the opposite of selfishness, of course. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Another one, we will receive that worship is part of our fruit. I love this. Hebrews 13 15 says this Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. It's a fruitfulness that comes in our lives. And when it's hard, and when it's difficult, and when it's dark, we still lift up our voice, and it's a sacrifice of praise. Amen? And we bless the Lord. It's the fruit of our lips. I love that. The last one is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. If you can turn with me there, there's a fruit of repentance as well. We started kind of on the soul winning, but how many know that in our lives there should be a fruit of repentance as well? And we see that it says in verse 8, it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The idea here is that according, uh, we need to acknowledge our sin openly. We don't want to rationalize our sin anymore. We want to seek restitution uh, when that's appropriate. And we want to remember along this journey that the secret to joy is bearing fruit. And joy comes when we have a clean heart, a soft heart towards God. That's my story. And what's interesting, when it talks about fruit, in John chapter 15, there are actually three categories of fruit described. There's fruit, then there's more fruit, and then there's much fruit. And a ton of commentators put a parallel to the seeds that are sowed in our lives. that There could be a 30-fold return, a 60-fold return, or a 100-fold return regarding to the fruitfulness in our lives. And the result of pruning in our lives, cutting things away uh, that are not healthy, uh, it brings a fruitfulness in our lives. So we said, hey, how do you get joy? You want to bear much fruit. But the question is, how do you bear fruit? Well, this passage talks a little bit about that. The secret to bearing fruit, church, this is the next point, if you're taking notes, is abiding or remaining. Remaining. You don't leave the vine. You don't go. You don't defect, right? You don't become apostate. You stay close to the vine. You are grafted in. In verse 4, in verse 5, 6, and 7, verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11, 11 times in the new NIV, 12 times in the Greek, the Bible says that we must remain. We must abide. And it's a language of proximity, that we should be close to Jesus, that we are grafted in. There's a whole slew of verses here. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. We're not going to flip to each one, but I just want to remind you what God says about this idea. Romans 8.10 says that Christ is in you, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? There's a closeness. 2 Corinthians 6.16, We are the temple of the living God. Galatians 2.20, says Christ lives in you. Ephesians 2.22, you are built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And then Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, say it with me if you know it, the hope of glory. There's a real sense that Christ is inside of you when you give your heart to the Lord. And the key, the secret to bearing much fruit is abiding in Him. Life flows from the root, church, to the branches. And so you and I, we better stay close. It's a walking. It's a fellowship. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a, or, or, um, it's a leaning on Him. And I love this. This week I was uh, listening to a, w- a worship set uh, from Bethel Church and, and uh, in a, one of their spontaneous moments uh, they, they were prophesying that, that uh, we should lean on, on Jesus and it just really captured me. I was studying it at, at, at this passage and then this song kind of came on and I just kind of stopped and, and then the person that was singing said, when you lean, you put your weight on that. And so we need to put our weight on Jesus. And when we do that, we're close to him. We abide in him. And it makes all the difference. In fact, there's some incredible blessings that come. There's favor that comes. Verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. There's favor that comes when we're close to Jesus. When you're close, Verse 16 says essentially the same thing. The, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you so that you would bear much fruit and then fruit that will last so that you, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done for you. It'll be given to you. Well, the flip side is true as well. Verse 5, it's kind of sad. It says, if you do not remain, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's nothing you can do apart From Jesus. Wow. So we need to abide. We need to remain in Him. How do you get joy? You bear much fruit. How do you bear much fruit? You abide. And how do you abide or how do you stay close? Well, the next secret, it's in this chapter as well, the secret of abiding is obedience. You say, ah, do I have to obey? (laughs) Yep, right? And obedience, like we said a couple weeks ago, is not a to-do list, right? It's a yielding to God's ways. Let's look at it. Verse 10 says here, it says, If you keep my commands, you will remain, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my commands and remain in His love. The idea here is that Jesus is saying, look, follow my example. I have obeyed everything that the Father has wanted me to do every single thing. He says, you do the same. Walk in my love, right? Or walk in obedience. I found this. uh, How many like James McDonald? He's on at noon on the radio, and I listen to him a lot. He says, there's some uh, wrong ways to obey. And he had three wrong ways, and then we'll get to the right way. But he says, some people obey because of the ball and chain. And he says it's uh, not—it's this idea that, ah, I just have to do it. It's a set of rules. This is the way I was raised, or this is the way my parents made me do it. Or it's kind of like, I'm just going to endure to the end, right, a ball and chain. And I would just say, how many know that that's the wrong way to obey? That's not the Christian life. Then he goes on to say there's another type of wrong obedience. Wrong way number two is this electric shock this idea that if I obey, or I do obey, because if I don't, zzz, it hurts, right? That there's consequences, right? And the truth is, there are consequences when we don't obey, but I love James McDowell. He says, that is high school faith, that's high school obedience. He says, that's the wrong way, number two. And then the wrong way, number three, if you're interested, this one caught me off guard. He says, how about this obedience that's like the boomerang right you throw it out i'm going to obey and then it's going to come back to me in blessings right i am blessed because i obey is that the right motivation i pray and then i get blessed i give and then i get blessed and it kind of caught me off guard that's not why we obey We don't obey so we can be blessed. We obey. So you say, why do we obey? Well, I would say that's not even the the best question. The best question is, how do I obey? What is the secret to obedience? And the secret to obedience is found here. The secret to obeying is love. The reason we obey is because we love the Lord. Going back two weeks ago, we were in John 14, it says, you may ask me for anything in my name. Verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. It's out of love. And in verse 9 of the chapter we're studying today, look what it says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in His love. Again, Jesus sets the example. Verse 12, same idea. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then at the end of this section, it says, this is my command. And you might expect here for Jesus to say, be fruitful, right? That's what He's talking about. I'm the vine, you're the branches, everybody, you know, if you're cut off and this and that. And He's saying, You you might think in your head, oh, this is my command, go and be fruitful. But no, the command is love each other. Love each other. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says that Christ's love compels us. The only true way to obey is to love. And love gives us the motivation to, And it sustains us in the hardest times. You boil it down. And all Christian failure is a failure to love. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let's just kind of walk through these secrets one more time. The secret to life is joy, right? This is Warren Wiersbe's outline. The secret to joy is bearing fruit. The secret to bearing fruit is abiding the secret to abiding is obedience, and the secret to obedience is love. Now, could we condense that and come to this idea that the secret to life is love? I think so. And if that's the truth, I think we need to all kind of look at our lives and say, where is that short-circuiting in our lives? Is it the obedience piece, right? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, a very interesting passage that talks about obedience. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 it says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Jesus gave the example, he was obedient to the Father. We, as believers, are supposed to m- be modeling our lives after that. So where's your obedience factor, right? If you're sleeping around and, uh, uh, before you're married and, uh, and that's just the way it is, does that line up with God's Word? Or if you're, uh, if you're disobedient or if you're rebellious in some way, is that according to God's Word? Are there other issues of obedience in your life that, are, that you struggle with? Obedience. The secret to life is love, and out of that love comes obedience. How about abiding? You may be here this morning and saying, "Man, I do not feel very close to Jesus. I don't feel close. You're not, you're not remaining. You're not abiding with Him in the proper way. Or maybe it's the fruitfulness factor, that that, that 30, 60, 100. Maybe it's that you're not serving, or maybe that you have a lack of a fruit of the Spirit. Look what James chapter 2 says. Uh, I really like this. James chapter 2, verse 14, says this. Verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? The idea is that there should be some sort of deeds, some sort of fruit that is evident in our lives as believers. Or how about the last one? Is there a lack of joy? Is that where you get short-circuited? I was thinking about it. There's a song that I grew up with, and uh, maybe some of you know it. It's, uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Right? I've got the And Bobby, I know you... it's, it's Bobby's lack of joy in his life that he would, he would roll his eyes at me, right? <laughs> I was thinking about it, and Bobby, I, I'm going to write you in for a second service. But if you're there and you're like, oh, I hate that song, maybe there's a lack of joy in your life. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to have a lack of joy. And joy comes when we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The secret to life is love. But the enemy, he wants to come in. He wants to short circuit us, if I can use that analogy, in our lives in any of these ways. And he wants to attack and he wants to get in between you and the Lord. And so today, my challenge is can we examine our lives? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. If you could turn there with me, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I didn't mark this for some reason. I've got to find it in my own Bible. Chapter 13, verse 5. Look what it says. It says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? Whoa. If there's not a love that's burning or not a love that's growing. Could it be possible that you've had a temporary relationship with Jesus? A temporary response to Jesus? Maybe at some point you responded to an altar call, but there's no fruit in your life. There's no obedience. There's no abiding. You don't feel very close. There's no root, so to speak. If that's the case, you may not be connected. Look what? Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Could we acknowledge in our own lives that the Lord, He wants a relationship and if you love God, you will do what He does, you will love the things that He does and the sad truth is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, I promise this is my last verse, I know we've been flipping a lot, Verse 19 says this, They went out from us, but they did not really believe, or they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained, same word as we're studying John 15, with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And the idea, man, is that it's possible that you've had an experience, but not a life change. And I don't want to beat anybody up this morning, but when you look at this this pattern, according to John 15, it really makes me think, am I connected to the vine, to the root? And if you're not connected, today is your day. To draw a line in the sand, to step over, to get grafted in. That's God's plan. That's what He wants. And the promise is life, abundant life for you. A fruitfulness in your life that you've never known. See, I think God's secret strategy is to bring us to more. When He wants to do that, sometimes He comes along and He cuts away. He prunes. And so even if you're here this morning, you say, man, I don't feel all that fruitful. Maybe I've got some fruit, but not more fruit. It's certainly not much fruit. What God wants to do, He wants to come in and He wants to help us. He wants to cut away some things in our lives. There are things in our lives that block us from the Son, the Son of God, maybe. Perhaps something needs to go in our lives. A selfish attitude, a relationship, something toxic, something unhealthy. Maybe it's a distraction in your life. Maybe it's not even something bad, but it's inordinately important to you. And what God does, He comes in and He wants to prune us. He wants to cut away some of those things. It could be a hobby or an activity or a privilege that you feel like you're entitled to. See, the fact is, there's nothing more important than abiding. With Jesus. And this morning, we're going to call each other to just that. If you're here this morning and you need salvation, you need to be grafted in. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond in that way. But for those of you that already are believers, I want you to really think as we sing through this song, think about your connection Think about your joy, your fruitfulness, your abiding, your obedience level. And I want you to examine. And I'm going to be doing the same thing, saying, God, show me anything inside that needs to be cut away. And my guess is if we ask, he's going to reveal something. And then we're going to take the step to kind of remove that, to kind of address those things in our lives. Pastor Bobby, why don't you lead us this morning in this song. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. I want to take these next few moments very seriously. I don't want to take it for granted this morning that you're here and you have a real relationship with Jesus. It's more than just saying, I believe. There's got to be a fruitfulness in our lives. And as I've been sharing, we call it the foolishness of preaching while we've been praying, or while I've been preaching, if the Lord has been revealing to you that you this morning need to be grafted into the vine, if you need to be saved today, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hand right where you are. Who here first service saying, yep, I need a relationship with Jesus? Thank you, Lord. God, move in this place. Help us, God. Yes, thank you. One in the back. Anyone else? Saying, that's where I am today. I need that for the one, for the sake of the one. Would you repeat a prayer after me? It's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's really believing, and it's Jesus transforming you and just believing that after this, there will be fruit. But would you say this after me? Say, dear Lord, please forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. But I know that you died on the cross for me. And I cast my cares on you. Would you save me? Take away my sin. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the one. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. God, you're so good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, I want to talk to the majority of us, not just the new believer that's here. But if you're here this morning and would acknowledge that there is a lack of joy in your life, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are, and we're going to address how to take care of that. Yeah, some hands going up. Anybody else saying, boy, if I'm honest, there's a lack of joy. (laughs) Sure, yes. Yeah, a few other hands. Who else? Okay, yeah. God is going to meet you. He's going to change things, I believe. The next step is fruit. If you were to examine your life, according to our verse in 2 Corinthians, and you have not been a soul winner, or there's a lack of holiness, or a lack of godly character, or a lack of good works, or a lack of worship, or a lack of repentance in any way, and there's a fruit that needs to be just exploding in your life, but it's lacking at this point, I want you just to lift up your hand. Who here would say, that if I'm honest, there's a lack of fruit. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's hard to kind of examine, but it's important. It's so important. If you're here this morning and you just feel distant from God for some reason, there's a lack of Of abiding, a lack of this remaining. If you're here and that's the case you're in, I want you just to lift up your hand. We're going to address that in a moment. If you feel distant from God in some way, yep. Yeah. A few hands there. (laughs) And then the last one is obedience. You're just struggling with the obedience factor for some reason. Maybe it's that you need to be water baptized and follow the Lord in obedience. Or maybe it's another area that you just know according to God's word that what you're doing is not right, but there's an obedience. If you need the Lord to help you in that obedience, I want you to lift your hands. Yep, yeah, yep, totally. I get it. Church, there were a lot of hands over these few areas. And the key to see victory in every single one of these It's our love for the Lord. And God, He desires a connection with you. He desires a relationship. And part of that, He comes along and He cuts off the things that are not fruitful. He prunes us and He shapes us so we can bear much fruit. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, my desire is to bear much fruit. I want you just to lift up your hands to the Lord. And let's just ask him to do just that. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do the supernatural. That we, as your people, would bear much fruit. And we understand that the key to do that is our love for you. And so, God, I pray that our love for you would grow. God, that there would be nothing more important. And God, that it would help us in our joy that it would help us, the love of the Lord, to be fruitful in our lives, to be abiding with you, to be close to you. Our love would increase. And even our obedience factor, God, is going to go up because of our love for you. God, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. (laughs) Father, we love you today. Our hearts are to be close to you. Our hearts are to be full of joy, full of obedience, full of fruit. And God, I just pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us to accomplish those things. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. You guys sounded really good there. Give yourselves a hand and then turn. And why don't you greet someone as you leave today? God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.